0: All right, good morning, Ferial Church. All right, it's good to be with you. Now, uh, those kids who are four to six years old, they can head to our uh, pre-K preschool program. Casey's out there holding the little sign just to prove that it's a real thing. (laughs) So you're not getting tricked. Um, All right, so yeah, so four four to six can head there. Uh, Now, kids, kids, you are here with us. Welcome. Uh, We're excited that it's a communion Sunday and you get to... uh, Kind of be witness to that and see what the body looks like when we uh, partake of the Lord's Supper together. Uh, if you're uh, looking for notes and stuff, uh, head to the back and there'll be, uh, there are like kind of toys in those bags too. They're, they're toys to help you uh, pay attention though. So, uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, let's, let's jump right in. So, uh, today we are looking at the subject of justice. Justice. All right, so on this side we have justice. Justice is uh, that you get what you deserve. That those who do right get good. Those who do evil get evil. Contrary to that is injustice. That those who are right are punished for it. Those who do evil are rewarded for it. Justice and injustice. And we have a complicated relationship to justice. Because in one sense, uh, we love justice. We love justice for those who wrong us. We love uh, when... Other people are evil and they're punished for it and they get the consequences. And we love when, uh, when our sibling wrongs us to run to our parents and for them to, to jump in and save the day. We love when we're watching the news and someone does this atrocious thing and they're sentenced to a really long term in prison in, a, in an awful gloomy place. We, th- we like that. It feels good to us. And we, we hate it when evil goes rewarded and we see other things where where justice isn't given when it's supposed to be when when we're being punished for things that we never even did when we're being accused of things that never happened we love justice and hate injustice all right and i think that's evidence in a in a dark and fallen world there shouldn't be this call for justice it shouldn't matter justice should be just something that uh that maybe we like, but it's not something that is good or evil. But in God's world where he rules and we have a a just king who rules over all, it makes sense that in our hearts we feel that there is this call to justice and we we delight in it. All right. But at the same time, uh, we love injustice. We love injustice when it is we who deserve it. When we are the ones who are under the punishment— Suddenly, injustice looks like a great thing. All right, so I have a story for you. All right. Uh, this, is, this is Peter in the second grade. It was story time in the second grade. All right, and so we all sat down in front of the teacher who was going to, uh, like, sitting on the carpet, and she was going to read us this book. All right, so we're all sitting there, and disaster strikes for second grade Peter. What happens? Peter, in the middle of the story, farted. <laughs> <laughs> and like loud <laughs> and I was like it, it, it struck and what were you we supposed to do all right but I looked to my left and who was sitting there but Jezreel all right Jezreel went to church with me so I feel especially bad about this but uh Jezreel Jezreel was from an interesting family let's say they were more Christian than our family Alright, their kids were named things like Jezreel. Alright. And, and and weren't well liked for it. So uh, so I I looked and and I was sitting next to Jezreel. Alright, and what what happens between Peter and Jezreel, the kids go, Jezreel gross. Ew, Je- oh, Jezreel farted. And in that moment, what did I do? I turned to Jezreel and I said, Gross, Jezreel. I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> Utterly betrayed him. At that moment, injustice was a beautiful thing that I loved far more than justice. And I, I will always have betrayed him, my brother in Christ from second grade, uh, gladly and joyfully so. All right. As much as we might love justice, There is part of us that is highly committed to injustice. It is out there in the world, and what do we do with it? How do we engage with it? And we see this in Jesus' crucifixion trial. If there's any place where there is injustice, it is in the crucifixion trial of Jesus, where he is put before them as the, the king of the Jews, the bringer of all justice, and yet he is utterly betrayed. And oddly enough, what does he do? He submits to this laundry list of betrayals. He submits to the the envious religious rulers. He, He submits to the crowds that are calling out against him. He submits to Pontius Pilate, this people pleaser. And he submits to the injustice of his trial so that we might receive the justice, the great injustice of being treated like, like the innocent ones. That we might be left and saved from all of the injustices that we have committed, from the justice of wrath and judgment against us. So that's what we're looking at today. Uh, let's go ahead and look at Mark 15, verses 1 through 15. Mark 15. This is just following Peter's denial of Jesus. And soon, as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pontius Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, You have said so. The chief priests accused him of many things, and Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pontius, Pil- uh, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he Pilate used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among them, the rebel, uh, and among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man named Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. He answered them saying. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered them up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him released for Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released them, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Let's pray. Father, we are um, once again struck by the submission of Jesus to the horrors of the accusations and the Father, the, the betrayal and the injustice. And Father, we ask that you would help us to see that he did it so that, so that we might be redeemed and saved. And Father, would you help us to have power to, to follow in his footsteps to the extent that we are called to? Would you help us to recognize that we also are, uh, are deserving of great punishment? But because of of the work of Christ, we unjustly do not receive it. Would you help us? Would you work in us? Would you fill us with your spirit? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. so we are beginning with the injustice brought upon him by the council of religious leaders. Now, as soon as it was morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. Alright, so we're, we're going to create, create this list, and it's going to go on and on and on. Alright, the first injustice, they shouldn't be here. They shouldn't be doing this. Alright, what time is it right now in this story? Alright, 3 to 6 a.m. Alright, this is not this kind of innocent, innocent little uh, morning meeting. This is a uh, a council in darkness they, they had met together to betray the Lord and to uh, to put this kind of mock trial together. We saw two weeks ago that they they bring together witnesses who can't possibly agree. There's no true charges that can be brought against him. And ultimately, what does he say? He says they, uh, in, in Luke 22, he said to them, if I tell you, you will not believe, but if I ask you, you will not answer. Uh, but from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand on the power of God. And so they said, So are you the Son of God then? He said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? He heard, we heard it from ourselves, with his, from his own lips. All right, what is this? This is the... It's hearsay that they have decided that Jesus is a blasphemer, that he claims to be God, and that, that's what they decided. And just to, just to remind us of the great injustice here, uh, this is kind of like if, if a dirty cop came to you, stuck drugs in your pocket, and hauled you off to jail, and then you went before the judge, and that same cop was the witness and said, you know what, I found this stuff. And then that same cop got up out of his seat and got in the judge's seat and said, you know what, I think that's all the testimonies that we need. And then he walked over and sat in the jury box and said, you know what, I think, I think we have a conviction for this guy. It's guilty. And then he walked over, became judge again, and said, you know what, uh, uh, I, think, I think sentence to death is appropriate. All right, that's the injustices that are going on here. That's the, wait, there's not, nothing is happening that is just here. This is utter betrayal, and it's just it 's a mock court, and yet Jesus, as before, he, he, he utters absolutely nothing, and what do they do? They then decide, you know what let's go let 's go to Pontius Pilate. Now, I remind you, these guys, all right, who are these people? These are people who before they were desperate to get jesus to to claim that he was not with Rome. They didn't want them, that, that he was against all of the occupation. But now, what do they need? They need executioners. They need someone to execute Jesus and fast because it's a holy day for them. It's a feast day. You're not supposed to kill someone this day. And, and there's all of these procedures that need to go on. And so what do they do? They need to enlist the Roman ruler so that he might crucify him quickly. And get the job done without asking any questions. All right, I just I remind us of this because uh, political allegiance is very much wrapped up in justice and injustice. All right, don't always think that you know, you're, that allegiance to a, a political ideal is a matter of justice. Often it's a ton, it's a matter of, of pragmatism. They were fighting for what they wanted, and they, they aligned with what they needed to get it. All right? Our hearts are not different from theirs. We are the same sinners. We can fall into the same traps. Now, all right, they go to Pontius Pilate, and now remember, what was the, what was the initial charge that, that Jesus was a blasphemer, that he claimed to be God, that he had broken the, the religious ideals of the people, but... Then they get to Pontius Pilate, and what is the new accusation? Pilate asks him, are you the king of the Jews? What do they do? They change the charge. They change the charge, so it's, it's, not, it's not so religious. It's more political. So they might get the, the ear of Pontius Pilate. That this is an insurrectionist. This is someone who wants to destroy the temple. This is someone who wants to fight against the taxes and what does he say? You have said so. You have said so. Once again, he's not fighting. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. All right, do you feel the, the burden of the chief priests here? like the desperation. We think that, oh, yeah, maybe they, they, they seem so powerful, but here they are. They're like these sniveling children throwing these accusations against them, seeing whatever will stick. And what is Jesus? Jesus in great power and faith and confidence. In, in, you have said it to be so. All right. Now think think of yourself. All right imagine if someone were just slandering you and accusing you and throwing all of these things at you. All right, Could you sit there and be silent? Could you sit there and be silent? Could you sit there and say, "You know what, say what you will say. Do what you will do." How and why was Jesus able to do that? How is he able to just bear with evil? How is he okay just to to absorb all of this poured upon him and remain silent? All right, Jezreel? Jezreel was not silent. (laughs) He accused me. But it was Peter. No, it wasn't. All right, that's what we do. We don't absorb an injustice. And why on earth would we? And that's where I remind us there. We always look for higher callings. Look for the higher callings. Are you called to fight for justice? Yes. Yes, you absolutely are. All right. But you are not called first to fight for your justice. And Jesus was not first called to fight for his justice. Jesus had higher callings, like fulfilling the will of his father fulfilling the will of his Father, and being true to what he agreed to do in Gethsemane. And that trumped the fighting for justice and fighting against the evil that was being done against him. And he had a greater mission. The immediate mission was not to to battle every injustice as it came before him. It was to right the the scales of heaven and earth, of, of the battle of cosmic evil and darkness. That's the battle he was fighting. And he was able to see the forest for the trees and recognize that this injustice would bring about far greater glory and beauty in the kingdom of God. And we have Jesus, he is he's committed to the promises of his father that a temporary injustice doesn't mean that God is lost. That means he ends up entrusting himself to the ultimate justice of his Father, the ultimate justice of God, in his timing, in his means, for his glory. Now, what is that? That is not Jesus being passive. That is not Jesus being weak. That is not Jesus laying down and letting evil trample over him. All right, that's what we call it. It's a, it's a special word. It's called meekness. Meekness. The best, best illustration of meekness is uh, a horse. All right, Horses could trample us all to death. All right. They just can, but a meek horse uses all of that power not to trample you, but to, to do what you want it to do. All right, Jesus could have trampled every single one of them, But what did he use all his power for? He used that power to obey the will of God, to fulfill his purposes, and to to fight the war, not his personal battles. All right. I don't want you to hear that Jesus was passive, that Jesus just laid down. No, he he fought the right times, the right enemies. This was not the time to fight for himself. Now, as I consider this, uh, to what extent are we called to do the same thing? To what extent are we called to, to take this on and look like Jesus here, to, to be silent in the face of injustice? All right. It's not when, when the poor and the weak and the sick are being trampled. That is not the time. The time for you to be silent in injustice is when injustice is happening to you and you are called to forgive. I think it's probably the best application here. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is when the truth of the matter is injustice has been done to you, that evil has been poured out upon you, that you have been mistreated, and yet you have a calling. Just like Jesus had a calling, you have a calling to forgive. We've prayed about it appropriately. You have a calling to forgive and that calling trumps your call to fight for your own justice. All right. Then we have a, a mission. You in your life have a mission that is larger than you fighting for your own justice. You have a mission to glorify God and share the gospel. And you do it by pouring out grace upon people who deserve, deserve the wrath of God, that deserve your wrath. But instead you say, you know what, I will give you grace and mercy, and instead I will absorb it. I'll absorb all of the pain, I'll absorb all of the anger, I'll absorb all of the consequences, and I'll let them die in me. All right, that's a painful thing to do. And it's a commitment to say, not just today I'm not going to punch you in the face, but... Tomorrow, when I want to punch you in the face again, I'll not punch you then. <laughs> and the next time I want to slander you to your friends, I won't. And the next time, well, I'll just want to think bitter thoughts about the sh- in the shower about you and how I would tell you off, but uh, we don't do that either. <laughs> all right, it's absorbing all that injustice and, and letting it die. Why? For the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel that it might be proclaimed. All right, Kids. When you're forgiving your siblings, that's what we're called to do. All right. We don't just say "I." Uh, or first of all, first of all, we say I, Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me for what I did? When we say that to each other, there's a transaction that happens. You can say yes or no. You can say, you know, I I don't know if I'm willing to absorb that pain or not. But secondly, all right, you can't turn around and then throw a rock at them. All right. Not forgiveness. You didn't absorb the pain. You just you just uh, Went through the motions by talking to mom and dad first. Uh, we know that you do this. Uh, all right, that's what we're talking about. All right, this happens your whole life. It's practice with your siblings, all right? Uh, really, they're going to be there forever. They're the longest people in your life, so uh, learn to love them because they're the hardest. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, finally, we're committed to the timing so the timing of forgiveness and the timing of this injustice all right. sometimes you'll forgive people, and the wrath will be poured out upon Christ. Others, the wrath will not be poured out until the end of time. And we, we trust that, you know what, I can absorb the injustice for now, knowing that I have a just God who reigns and who rules. And I can be silent until that day. That is power for forgiveness. That is power that says, you know, the vengeance is the Lord's. It's not mine. I can let it go. Now, what happens when we do this? What happens when Jesus does this? Pontius Pilate is amazed. Because this is not normal. This is not normal people stuff. This is kingdom of heaven stuff. When you don't make the other person pay, you are acting like Jesus. You are saying you believe in that eternal thing that is to come. And you believe there is this thing called grace and you've received it. And you put the gospel on display and people are amazed by it. Please don't take the easy way out and make them pay. Let's, Let's glorify God and his kingdom. Let's put Jesus Christ on display. Now, and, and a last point. Um, some of you have suffered great injustices. You have been betrayed. You have been abandoned. You have been left for dead. Know that Jesus, he, he also has been there. That Jesus has, has felt all of the injustice far more than we have. And he has great compassion for us. He knows the pain of it. And he wants to, to empower us to do that to his glory. Amen? All right, now. Now we're turning to the crowd. The fickle, whiny crowd here. Uh, verse 6. Now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder. Uh, Sorry, I keep reading this wrong. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in insurrection, there's a man called Barabbas. The crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. All right, so this is kind of a a weird traditional thing they did at the time of the Passover. And it was a way of, it's kind of a sense of goodwill between the the Roman rulers and the, the Jewish people. And we can see that it kind of looks like Passover. So it's uh, it's someone who is being passed over. Their, their sin is not being brought against them. They're they're receiving grace and mercy. And so it's it's appropriate that it would be happening here. But the weird thing is, uh, there's two Jesuses here. There's Jesus Barabbas, and there's Jesus, king of the Jews. And Pilate, he sees everything is happening, he's like, and, and hey, they, they, want, they want a Jesus to be released. Oh, this makes sense. This guy has just been uh, abused and mistreated to all of these, this f- these false trials and false accusations. I haven't found anything to accuse him of. So, yeah, okay, maybe we just made a show of it. But the idea was, you know what, no, this can be redeemed. This is the perfect time for this man to be betrayed because oh, he'll be saved. All right. The religious leaders are not going to let that happen. And they don't leave anything up for chance. So what do they do? They have already turned the crowd against them. He answered saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release from them Barabbas instead. All right. We can sit with that a little bit. That like, this is a murderous insurrectionist. And by the prodding of some evil men, the whole crowd is, is fighting for the evil murderous insurrectionists and hating this one who healed them and gave them the, the beatitudes of all of the blessings of God and who taught them of like the, the stories of the prodigal son. It's like the father who loves and who... Sacrifices, and I think we, we can uh, we can learn from the envy here. Now, the chief priests, uh, what did they envy? Why did they hate Jesus? They they envied his glory and his power. They couldn't do miracles. They didn't have any authority. They, they thought that they could bring the scriptures and then Jesus blows them out of the water. Uh, they think that they can speak for God and then we see the prophecy of Jesus. We see him doing these amazing, unthinkable works. He's raising people from the dead even. And they hate him for it. Because they want the glory. They want the power. They want to be God. They don't want to serve another. All right. They envy that he is wise. They're made other fools of because they don't really understand the scriptures. By like a single sentence, all of their accusations are laid low and they're just totally embarrassed. All right. he, he really understands God. Something that they clearly don't. They envy that he has true righteousness. True Righteousness. What do they have? They have a bunch of rituals and manipulations. They have silly rules that they can play games with, but they don't love. They have no faith. They don't really delight in the Father. They don't ultimately obey him. They envy his great righteousness and love, and they want it so badly, and they hate it so much, they kill Jesus for it. All right, kids, what is envy? Envy. Envy is wanting something that someone else has. And it can get so strong that you wish it was better for them not to have it than for, for you not to have it. You know, no one can have it. I want no one to have it if it can't be mine. All right, that's envy. And that's, there's a great power for injustice and death there. Now, uh, with that, I ask you: uh, all right, do you know that power, the power of envy? Do you battle it? Do you see the things that you, you want from other people, the things that you desire, the things that you, you long to bring people down or see them fall that you might be lifted up? All right, our hearts are all the same. The envy of these men is the same envy that, that lives in us. All right, but this is a, a, a special envy. This is the envy that that is envious of God himself. And you think, I would never be envious of God. That's so stupid. But then we look and we think, uh, all right, have you ever envied God's glory? That you've, you've thought about God and you thought, well, like, how come he gets to be most important? And how come everything gets to be about him? And how come he gets to make all the rules? And how come he gets to have all the power? How come How come he doesn't put us first? So much of that is the unbeliever's argument. How come he puts his glory above our salvation? He should save everyone. He has to He should be about our glory and our good. If he has this great power, how dare he not use it for For us. For me. The envy of his glory and power. All right, Some envy God in all of his wisdom. That they see, okay, he seems to be someone who's wiser than I am. And he does things that are different than the way that I would do them. He lets terrible things happen. He lets his son go to death. He lets suffering happen that we might fall on our knees and and recognize our fallenness. Now there, there are many who abandon God because they don't want him to be wiser than they are. And they envy his wisdom and instead they say, you know what? Be gone with me, God. I don't want anything to do with you. I'll be the wise one. And then finally, there's more, but there's some who, who envy and reject God because of his righteousness. They resent that he is holy. They resent that he makes us feel bad. They resent that he has this law that just convicts us and opens and tears our hearts apart and says that, you know, you are a sinner every second of every day. Even when you, you try your hardest, you can't do it. Even your best isn't good enough. Like, we are we're crushed by that. And we envy this God and we we can choose to, to say, you know what? I don't want that God anymore. I don't want his righteousness. If he just got out of the picture, then maybe I could be righteous. Then maybe I could be good enough. Now, this is a secondary thing. Uh, do you know the power of the crowd? All right. The power of the crowd. Just because everyone is saying it doesn't mean it's true. Just because everyone is saying it doesn't mean it's good. Just because Christians are saying it doesn't mean that it's biblical or good or Jesus honoring or has anything to do with the gospel. All right. Uh, There's great power for injustice when we're group thinky and we receive from people on high what is truth, not hearing it from our Savior, not hearing it from Scripture not walking in the path of Christ. That's where someone could legitimately say, well, no, I don't have to forgive anyone. That, that's, I should fight for justice. All right, sort of. Yeah, justice is good. It wouldn't be following this pattern, though. It would never put the gospel on display. All right, we can, you can take true things and elevate them and idolize them and, in the name of good and its foolishness. Most injustice happens when people together decide that they don't care and they go along. All right. We are fools in that way. Please be careful. Once again Jesus he he submits to it and he is silent. All right, let's look at this last one. The injustice of Pontius Pilate And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? All right. This is not how a trial is run. We just asked the people, like, what do you want me to do with him? Uh, All right. He he gives himself over to the crowd and basically says, you deal with this. All right. It's a a horrible leadership and horrible justice. And what a a travesty. They cry out, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, "Why? What evil has he done?" They shouted all the more, "Crucify him!" So what has he done? Do you, okay. <laughs> all right, this is like spinelessness on behalf of Pilate. And yet we recognize, okay, that's that's totally my heart too. That what happens. This is this is. Okay. Do you want to support a dying man? Do you want to get behind someone who's going to be crucified? Are you going to cast your lot with him? And Pilate, what does he see? He says, no, this guy this guy's going down, and I'm not going to have him take me with him. And so the people-pleasing governor, he, he cuts his losses. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. All right. Why do we not talk about justice and injustice that much? Uh, Because uh, justice is painful. And if you witness injustice and try to fight it, the injustice comes to get you. All right. It doesn't stay off in the corner. It doesn't fight fair. That's why it's injustice. And the reality is that the world hates Jesus and the world is aligned against Jesus. And as we throw ourselves into his corner, we are opening ourselves up to that same injustice. That is the reality of persecution. That is the reality of why we, we pray for missionaries as they go to the Middle East because we recognize that to... Uh, To be with Jesus is to be in the line of fire. Now, there's always the option to escape. There's always the option. You Okay, abandon Jesus when times get tough. All of these options are open to us. We can can envy Jesus and and throw him out. We can be with the crowds and go with the crowds and, and run in line and Be like the people around us. We can be people pleasers who choose to to abandon Christ as soon as suffering comes to us. But I remind us that for Jesus, this this is not the trial that matters. This is not the trial that matters. There is one trial that matters. The trial that matters is the trial that is you standing before your Savior and your God and saying, all right, where did you cast your lot? Whose, whose side were you on? And on that day, the matter will not be, did I fight for every injustice? The matter will be, all right, was I with Christ? Did I receive him? Did I love him? And the nice thing is that Jesus already went through that trial. Jesus went through that trial and he, he was destroyed here but then he was raised three days later. Raised in glory and victory and honor and he was vindicated before all others. That yeah, all of these accusations, no, they proved false when he rose from the dead and yeah, he was probably the son of God. Right, that's the whole point of this. And then on that day, no one had anything to say to him, and his silence, well, it spoke for itself. And it spoke far louder than fighting for every injustice, it, it spoke far louder than trying to fight for himself. No, he had now defeated evil and opened the door for salvation for humanity. That we can suffer in this life and die in this life and be destroyed in this life and find everlasting, eternal life afterwards. All right, that's the trial. And I remind us of do one last thing. All right, where are you in the story? Where are you in the story? All right, hopefully we're not the, the religious leaders. Uh, that's not good. Uh, hopefully we're not the crowd. Hopefully, we're not Pontius Pilate. None of you are governors that I know of, so. uh, All right, who are you? You are Barabbas. Welcome to the story. You are Barabbas. You are the insurrectionist murderer. You are the one who, in the kingdom of God, all you do is try to destroy and plunder, and you tried to wreck the place. And you've been rebelling against your king from the day you were born. And the only thing that would have been justice for you was to go before the religious leaders and be accused of and condemned. To go before the crowd. If the crowd knew all the things that you have done, they would never let you off. And if you went between the, before the, the real person who can judge you and judge your heart and your mind and everything you have ever done, you would deserve the justice of e- eternal damnation. But instead, we have Jesus Christ, the innocent one, who receives all of the injustice of wrath and punishment and destruction, and we become Barabbas. This wide-eyed, confused rebel who is suddenly walking free because Jesus Christ took his place. All right. Do you know yourself as that? Are you willing to be the the insurrectionist and the rebel and the one who deserved to die? And are you the one who is now walking free? Who is walking free with no condemnation upon you because Jesus Christ has taken your place. Because he was unjustly destroyed so that you might be unjustly given freedom and eternal life. All right, there's great power in that. There's great power in that. To not envy Jesus, but to delight in Jesus. Yeah, he can be more righteous than you. He can be more glorious than you. He can be more powerful and more wise And because he's your savior, not your competition. You're not trying to, to compete with him. You're trying to receive everything that he is. And as you go and are, are trying to be the, you're swept into the crowd, you can resist because, no, you, you have a better crowd. You have the crowd of all of the saints for all of history who get to shout in the final day that Jesus is our Savior and that we will not reject him and we'll be with him to the end and we will suffer every injustice that comes before us entrusting ourselves to to the greater justice and the greater life and the greater kingdom and to a far better king than the ones that live here with us. May Jesus give us power to do those things. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we we know that you have called us to things that are greater than us we look at the steps that Jesus has taken and we thank you that he is the perfect one and we get to be Barabbas set free because of the, the glorious injustice that was poured out upon us. Father, would you help us? Would you give us strength and, and power and, and courage? Would you help us to see the things that are true and see the spiritual realities and Father, would you help us to have wisdom on when to fight and when to be silent, when to receive injustice in the name of the gospel, and, and when to put Jesus on display. But Father, ultimately, we ask that you you would be glorified. That you would give us faith, and that we would see you in all of your glory on that day, and that we would not be ashamed, because we know where our salvation lies. In Christ's name we pray.